continue. So let us just pray <laughs> right now, and then we will get into this. Father God, we come before you right now, and we thank you, Jesus, that we can come to a place and learn more about you, that we can go deeper in you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now into this place. I thank you, Lord God, right now for your peace, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that your words are what come out of my mouth today, that it wouldn't be my words, Lord, but it would be yours, ordained by God. And I give you praise and glory for that. Lord, I thank you that we have passion right now to go deeper in the things that you have called us to. And we take hold of tonight, and we give it to you, Lord God. And I just thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says? And everybody says? All right. So I'm excited about what we're going to be sharing about today because this is something that's been working in me for probably before the new year came around. God kind of started moving me through some things. And then um, me and my dad were having a conversation, and he said, so I'm feeling 2019 is called the year of growth. And I said, really? <laughs> well, we're on the same page here. And so I started sharing some things with him. And um, it brought us to this point. But um, I'm just going to take you guys on the journey that God took me through this. And I'm not to the end of it by any means whatsoever. And I don't have all the answers yet of all this. But I just am going to start building the foundation and kind of just have you guys jump on the journey with me that God has been taking me through on this. So with that said, let's open our Bibles. And this was the starting verse that um, God real, I was reading that God brought to me all this, and it's John 14, verses 12 through 14. And this is a very common text. If you don't know what's going on here, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're kind of just asking the questions here and there. And God and Jesus, of course, is answering them. But he says this, and this is such a common text, one that I've heard hundreds of times, even from behind this pulpit, but I just want to bring something that God brought to me out of this. So it says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. The next verse. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. For if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Can you bring up verse 12 again for me? So this, like I said, a very common text, something we have heard many, many times, you know. We hear it um, preached, like I said, from this pulpit, you know. Jesus saying, you know, all these things that I do, you can do now. You can do all of this. But greater works than these you will also do because I'm going to my Father. Now, if you were the disciples at that moment, I don't know, I picture myself there and Jesus talking to me. I'd have to say, wait a minute, back it up here one second. What do you mean it's going to be better because you're going away now? What do you mean I'm going to do these things that you've done and now greater? I mean, you're healing the sick, the lame walk, the blind see. You're making little fish loaves feed 5,000 people. What do you mean I'm going to be doing this stuff and even greater? What can be greater than that? And so I just got real with God and I said, God, you know, we're in a time and an era right now where... We're not seeing those things in manifestation around us. We see it. We hear about it. But we're not seeing it in the fullness that Jesus was walking in. I say, we don't see it the same way. So what's happened to this verse? You know, he says not only can we do the same things we saw him do, 
but we're going to get to a place where we're doing more and greater things. I said, God, I feel like we're just striving just to even do, to scratch the surface of what you were doing here. So what's happening here? And God simply told me growth. Growth. And I said, okay, well, you know what, Jesus, we're coming into the new year. I've got my growth plan. I've got my goals written down. And he said, no, 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 growth. And I said, God, I know, growth. I've got my one, two, three, four, here we go. We're going to do this 2019. It's going to be the best year yet. And he brought me back again. He said, I didn't say goals. I said growth. And so he started taking me on this journey. And the very first key he brought out to me was growth is different than goals. And goals, if you don't do them right, will not lead to growth. Now, I'm not anti-goals by any means whatsoever. I still got my goals for 2019. I got my list down where I see it every day, you know, and then I got the here's A and here's point one, two, three under A and here's B under one, two, you know. I'm not downing goals. I believe everybody should have goals for your life. I believe you should have a vision of what you want to see in your life. But what I want to talk about today is not just having a goal that you check off, you know, but really grow in the things of God to where you see an eternal difference, an internal and eternal difference in your life where you are now not facing the same things you faced in 2018. You're not facing the same addictions you faced 10 years ago. You're not seeing a, you know, how many of you, let's be honest right now, put anything on your goals that has to do with weight. You know, you know, there's those levels where we've got those things that you can almost pull out 2018 goals and write ditto 2019. You know, there's become such a familiarity with our goals that we have in life that we haven't put behind it the same passion to make them equal growth in our lives. Now, this isn't for everybody. I get that. Some people are amazing with their goals. But I want us to get to a level, like I said, where we're not just looking for a next check mark to get us through the year. And at the end of the year, we can say, oh, look, I accomplished all 10 things. Now, 2019, well, you know, and you're doing something different. But then 10 years later, you're back to the same ones you did this year. You know, we don't want this circle to continue. I want us to get to a place where we are so deep in God, where we soar above the problems of this world, where we're at a new level, where we're seeing the things that Jesus saw, we're doing the things that Jesus did, and greater. He's coming back for a perfect church, a perfect bride. Well, we got to become that for him to come back. And we got to grow to that level where we're now moving and groving and being just the way Jesus did in this world. I can guarantee you Jesus had fun in his life. How could it not be? He spit mud and threw it in people's faces sometimes. I mean, you know, and had results. Had that, I mean, to me, sometimes that would be really fun, you know. But he was working with the Father. He grew to a place. So as I was talking to Jesus about this, he said, this verse that I was reading here was the end result of growth. And as you continue through this, you'll start seeing more and more of what Jesus did. You'll start hearing more and more 
that the lame are walking, the sick are healed, the blind see. You know, people have victory. They've been dealing with this for years, but one word from God now, and now they're set free forever, and they never even question whether they're going to go back or not. That is the new level that we're talking about here. Um, it says in the NIV that they will do even greater than these things. And I want to put up the Passion Translation. I love this translation. It just has a way of putting it in, I don't know, words that are easier to grasp for me. So um, it says, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these because I go to my Father. He's saying here again, mighty works. He's doing mighty works. Once you say what Jesus was doing was mighty in this world, it changed history forever. And he's saying, now that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what you can do. That's nothing compared to what I want my church to be like. That is nothing compared to what I want your life to look like. And I, he's saying, I've walked this forward. How many of you know Jesus is our perfect example of how to walk this out? And he's saying, I've walked this forward so that you can go beyond what I've done already. So I can keep, so you can see all this and just move forward to the next stage. How many of you with kids, you know, we see this a lot, parents that have trained their kids up in the way they should go. Why is that? Because you don't want them to make the same mistakes you did. You want them to start here. You want them to go farther. You want them to go deeper. That's the same thing Jesus is saying here. He's like, look, I walked all this out for you. I made all of this possible, and I showed you how to do it so that you can go farther, so that you can do more, so that we have even greater works occurring now in the earth. So, all right, that's my foundation. <laughs> but So key number one, like I said, growth is different from goals, and if you don't do goals right, there will be no growth. If you're looking just to put a check mark by your goal, there's no growth behind it. So what you need to do is flip it, is what God told me, flip it. Go for a growth plan and get goals under your growth. Go for the big things. So, for instance, it's not just I want to lose weight, I want to go to the gym so I can get those cute little selfies of me on the treadmill. You know, it's none of that. It's maybe I want to be healthy. I need, you know, I believe in order to live my days out like I'm supposed to in this earth, I need to be healthy. And then you watch the goals fall under it. I, you know, some people say, well, I'm going to start praying more in the spirit. You turn a timer on, you say, I'm going to do five minutes today. I'm going to do ten minutes today. How many of you know, the second that timer goes off, you're done. When the Holy Spirit could be sitting there going, I got so much more to show you. I got so much more to do for you. But because you're looking for that little check mark, you're done after the 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying there's so much more. When you start looking at, no, I want to go higher in the things of God. God, I want a relationship with you. I want to go deeper in those things with you. And then he says, all right, then spend time in the praying more time in the Holy Spirit with me. All right, read your word more often. Then he starts giving you those goals that will lead to that ultimate growth in your life. Goals, when we look at the definitions of it, you can kind of see the difference here. Goals mean an aspiration or an ambition. It's something you're striving towards, but it's always self-focused or self-motivated. 
there's always this pressure, this grit, this grind, this teeth biting. I can do it. I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. While growth means increase, means progress, advancement. It means breaking through. It means development. Growth is God-focused. While we are sitting here, you know, and there might be great things that you have goals for. We've talked about, you know, addictions or health or, you know, um, being deeper and better at reading the word and praying. All these things are great. But when you do them in yourself, when you're gritting your teeth and because you need that next check mark and I got to do this and I got to, if you miss it, all of a sudden the condemnation comes upon you. <laughs> you know, and you say, forget the diet. I'm going to eat as much chocolate chips as I want, and I'm going to eat the cake next to the pie and all of it together, and I'm going to sit here and enjoy myself in this. There's a different level. But when growth, when you're talking about growth, and I'm spitting, is it something about this pulpit? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> when you're talking about growth, though, when you come face to face with those things, it's not in your power. It's in God's. And when you're working on things, even if they seem very minute or earthly to us, it's in God's power you're doing it. So you mess up, you go to him. God, I totally messed up. I did it, even though I said I wasn't going to. It's all good. Next day. All right. Okay, got one day. Got two days. Got three. Oh, God, I met. It's all good. Let's do it again. Here we go. That's the difference in growth. That's the difference in doing it not in your own strength. You've got someone behind you, cheering you on, pushing you forward. That's what growth is. That is what makes the difference. Because now you've moved past to where you're soaring above all the problems of this earth. You're up there with God saying, God, that used to bother me, and that used to get me, and I used to tell that person exactly what I thought of them, and now they don't even bother me. Growth. That's growth. That's growth. And then that is moving in to what Jesus did. Think about all the things Jesus faced. Not everybody liked him. <laughs> There's a little, you know, a little secret out there. But and there was even a time when, you know, we talk about the time where, you know, the five, seven, is it seven or five hundred left him? The seventy left him. But then it gets down to his twelve disciples, and he looks at him and goes, Well, do you want to go too? And they said, Well, where else do we go? In other words, we could, we would if we knew where to go, you know? I mean, that's like looking at your best friend and saying, well, do you want to be with me on this anymore? Not really, but I guess so. Here we go, you know? There's a different level that we haven't even began to see, but somehow it didn't bother Jesus. It didn't move him. And yet we're upset about so-and-so that works in 10 cubicles down from us, thinks this about us, and it moves us and shakes us. We now get to get to the level where Jesus was, where you start seeing everything the same way. It's either good and it follows God, or it's bad and it follows the devil. And that's what it is. It's not that person. It's the enemy. Oh, this is good. It was God. That's the level we get to when we get to growth, where you stop fighting this continuously battle with yourself, against other people, all this stuff. That's where the new growth comes to. A great example of this, and we're going to just take this to a different level, but I think an amazing example of growth versus goals is David. David was a man after God's own heart, a perfect example for us as far as one who messed up, 
but kept on moving, <laughs> who had very high emotions. I don't know if you've read the book of Psalms, but I mean, one verse he's wanting God to take everybody out, and the next day, verse he's asking them to forgive him. You know, he's very high emotional, up and down. But when you look at his life, you see what it looks like to grow. And I just want to bring out a few pieces of it, and then we'll kind of just walk this journey through it. So if you could put up 1 Samuel 16 for me, verse 1. Now this is, um, Saul is king still, but um, he's done some nonos, so now he's being removed as king. And it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Ouch. <laughs> He's rejected him. <laughs> From reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say that I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. Now, just real quick. Give you a little backstory again. Saul was anointed king by Samuel. Like I said, he made some mistakes in his life and chose not to repent from them. That's the difference on a lot of things here. So now, because of his unrepentance, he needs to be removed as king, and God is going to anoint a new king for Israel. So you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Now, again, Samuel does not, Jesus didn't say, or God didn't say, hey, you're going to go. This is what's going to happen. You're going to tell Jesse you want this son. That's the one I want you to anoint. Move forward. He doesn't say that. He says, go, and I'll tell you the rest later. All right? That's important into here. All right? So Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? Now, that's a whole other sermon, but anyways. And he said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Sanctify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came and he looked at Eliab, Eliab, thank you, Mama, Eliab, and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So what's happening here is Jesse has lined up his sons. I mean, it's now getting out, hey, we're anointing the new king. And Jesse, you have been chosen. Your family's the next one up. And so he's like, all right. So he brings out his sons, and he lines them up, and he puts the best, the best in his eyes first. And he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before you. Can you go to the next page? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or the physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So in other words, he may look good on the outside, but I got a different plan, and I know what's going on, on the inside here. So Jesse called, yeah, not even going to try, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So this whole thing's playing out. And remember, Samuel is just told by God, just go to this house, do this, and I'll bring the, son, I'll bring the next king to you. So Jesse's the one choosing right now who's going before him. Okay, now you go first. You're the best looking. You're the strongest. You go ahead. Nope. All right, well, you're number two. You're the, be you're the second best looking. Come on, come on, let's go. You know, nope, that wasn't it. Next verse. 
Then Jesse made shaman. Why did I do this to myself? Passed by, and he said, neither has the, you know where I get my reading skills, just saying. <laughs> neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. So now we're to the end. He has chosen, which wouldn't you hate to be number seven? Like, okay, Dad, thanks. <laughs> nope, okay. You know, and he says, and now Samuel's thinking, I didn't hear God. I must have missed God. The Lord has not chosen these ones. He's like, I, I must, what is, what's going on? You passed your sons, right? And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, oh, yeah, duh, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping sheep. Now, this tells you where David sits in his father's eyes. He forgot. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> There's David right there. That's funny, huh? You know, he in, in Jesse's eyes, he didn't even view David as a possibility. He didn't see David as a possibility. And how many of you know, if your father feels that way about you, you probably know. You probably have an idea that, you know what, I'm probably not the favorite son. And so he, Je David knows this about it, and he's out keeping sheep while the brothers are all getting dressed up and ready to be shown off to be the next king of Israel, possibly. And he, they go, oh, but there's sheep that needs to be taken care of, J David, so you go that way. All right, so, and Samuel says to Jesse, send and bring him, for I will not sit till he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, what is ruddy mean? Ready? Whatever. <laughs> With bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Wouldn't that be like the best day of your life? <laughs> like, that's right. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ram. So all of this has taken place. Can you imagine what's going on in David's heart right now? He goes, I'm not watching sheep another day in my life. I've just been anointed king of Israel. I've got it. You know, and not only that, but my brother saw it. And all this is, you know, what is going on in his head right now? But the funny thing is, we don't see David, King David, for a whole other book. <laughs> you know? He goes through so much from this point to when he actually becomes king. And that point is called growth. He grew into his kingship. The next chapter we read about him and Goliath. So he's already been anointed, but yet they have to go get him back out of the field to go get food to his brothers at the front line. So he still wasn't seen as the king. No, you go back to the field. You go back to the field out there, David. Don't just go, go, go. And, oh, go now take stuff to your brothers who are fighting, and you're not allowed to fight because you're nothing. All right? So I was anointed king, back to the field, go take food to my brothers. They all laugh at me and think I can't do this. I'll show them I'm going to kill the Goliath. Okay, kill Goliath. And now everybody's singing praises. But now everybody else is mad at me, including Saul. And he goes through this whole thing. Now, not only has he been anointed king, but he's in hiding because the king currently sitting there is wanting to kill him. And David's thinking, what did I do? <laughs> I was just watching sheep. 
being a good boy <laughs> and got anointed, thought my life was going to change forever. I killed the Goliath. I killed him. And now you're wanting to kill me after everything that's been going through. And we get to 1 Samuel 24. David's been on the run for years now, or for a while now. <laughs> Let me say it that way. And Saul is still after to kill him. Now, through this time, you will read, you know, about how, you know, David even went before King Saul. And he would play the harp for him to relax him, to take away that spirit that was on Saul. And Saul, the whole time, is sitting there with a spear in his hand, ready to kill David. And David still walks in there. You know, think about that. He was there right next to Saul. There's a time where he even throws the spear at David. He takes his own spear. He sees the one that's been anointed who is still doing what he's supposed to do with playing the harp, and he's trying to kill him. So we're to this point now. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Edgadi. Whatever. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went to attend to his need. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So Saul is seeking David to kill him. David's got his men with him, and he's in this cave. All of a sudden, here comes Saul, the man who has been trying to kill him, the man who stands between him and what's been appointed to David. He sees this man coming in, and um, you can go to the next verse. Um, then the men of David said to him, so he's got all these men with him, okay? Just like, think about it nowadays. You know, he's got all these people with him, and they say, this is the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So here it is. They're saying, David, you've been anointed king. This man is standing between you and what's been given to you, your promise. Go ahead, take him out. No one would hinder you from doing that. It's your right. Take him out. But instead of killing him, he cuts off a corner of his robe. Now it happened after that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Listen to the growth in this boy, that he has grown to this place where not only did he see a check mark. If he wanted, if it was a goal to be the king of Israel, he would have taken Saul out. There you go. Checked it right off my list. I'm the king of Israel now. He is out of the way. But instead, he took that corner of his robe and he troubled himself with it. And he said to the men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. His master? You mean the man that's trying to kill him? The Lord's anointed? Actually, I'm pretty sure they said the anointing was gone from him. But to stretch out my hand against him seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. Not only did he hold himself back, but he stopped his men from doing it. Remember, he's got 3,000 men with him. And Saul's in the cave by himself. 
and they went on their way. And Saul got up and went on his way. David also rose afterwards, went out to the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. Look at the reverence he still holds for Saul. Do you know where this reverence came from? It came from that growth that he did in the field. When he was sitting out there in that field, he could have been complaining, moaning, and grinding about, oh, my father. But he was sitting there talking to God and growing, growing up, growing up spiritually to a level where the one person that was standing between him and the promise, we're talking about kingship. We're not talking about just a raise or a promotion at work. We're talking about the ultimate promotion. You're going from a servant boy who worked in, or was treated like a servant boy in the fields, tending to your father's sheep because he doesn't even see you as a son, to being the king of all Israel. Ultimate promotion. And yet, David said, I'm, it's not my place yet. Because he had grown so close to God, he wasn't going to do it until God moved on his behalf and did it. He says, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks you to harm you? So he's asking him, why are you even doing this? I don't even understand. Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hands in this cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for, I, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt me, hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hands shall not be against you. Total growth is where you learn that God's going to take care of your battles. True growth comes when you realize it is not up to you to fight, to urge, to scrape, to scrine, to get through something. It's up to the Lord. True growth occurs when you can see that one thing holding you back, and you say, no, it's the Lord's job to take care of this. I'm keeping my hands clean. That is ultimate growth right there. If David's goal was to be king, he wouldn't have followed that. He, Saul would have been dead. If you read into Samuel 26 as well, there's another opportunity he has where it's just Saul and one other man laying by a fire asleep, and David comes upon him, and it says the spear is right next to Saul's head. And the men again say, David, just pick it up. Kill him like you did the Philistine. Kill him. And he says no. Again, he refuses to do it. Think about what the enemy's doing here. If I can get David to just check mark this off his list and not grow in this moment, he will not become the king he's been destined to be. Because right now, what is he doing? He's growing. He's learning to listen to God. He's learning how to judge between what the men want him to do and what God wants him to do. That is the moment he's at, and he's trying to listen to God, and the men are saying, no, just kill him. Take care of it. How often do the people in the world say, there's your opportunity. Take it. Do what you have to. Just lie about that person. Just tell him this. 
go ahead and just lie to her. Lie to him. It will work out for you in the end. You'll get, to, you'll get everything you've wanted. But instead, you've got to tune in and grow to the place where you hear God's voice above all else, where you know what you're supposed, even though that's been promised to you, it's going to come with through the growth, through the obedience that God has planned for you. And because of this growth, David then walked out and had one of the mightiest kingships, I can say, in the word. Think about his mighty men. How, because of this growing he did, from tending sheep to killing a giant to listening to God on what to do. And remember, David didn't end up killing Saul. He got taken care of without David having to do anything. Because there was this level in David where he would not do, not move, not change anything unless God did. He got to become one of the greatest kings that ever lived in Israel. And because of that also, the great king of kings came through his line. The greatest king of kings came through his line. And it was all because he chose to grow. Not to check something off the list, but he chose instead to be firm and grow and see every opposition as an opportunity. When you truly grow you start seeing the opposition against you as an opportunity for you to stretch and go farther in God. You start seeing it as a chance. This is coming against me. This is coming. Oh, the enemy. You start seeing it different. You start seeing now, like, I must be doing something right if the enemy is fighting against me. He must, he must be a little nervous right now because of all this pressure coming against me. Well, I'll show him. I'll show you what I can do. And instead of it just becoming this next big knockout, it becomes a notch on your belt. And that's the difference between growth and goals. Goals are what I can achieve. Growth is what God can achieve through me. It's all about growing to the place where you are so connected to God that you soar above all the problems. The things that could have gotten you down, could have knocked you out, now are just the fuel that keep you moving forward. Anyone can complete a goal. It's true. You can even erase your goals and write them differently so you do accomplish your goals. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anyone can complete a goal. But if you don't grow in the process of completing those goals, then you'll be right back where you started, trying to create another goal, trying to create another check mark, trying to figure out how to get you from point A to point B. Growth is a, or excuse me, goals are an end mark, while growth is an eternal thing. It just keeps going forward. You just keep growing and growing and growing until one day you grow right out of here and into heaven. Now, I'm not saying if you don't grow, you're not going to heaven, but I'm saying <laughs> that you won't have heaven on earth. The difference between heaven on earth and hell on earth is how close you are to God. So we have to grow to that place in our walk with God. Growth ultimately comes down to this. It's your heart condition. Growth can even become a goal and a check mark if you don't keep a heart condition right. And that brings me into my second key, which is it is going to take a firm and determined decision from you to grow. You have to choose to grow on purpose. 
You have to make that decision because opposition will come against you. Things will happen to stop you. Even things that come in a package that say opportunity. <laughs> Think about David. He had opportunity to get to his final promise. But when you are growing, you see those things as an opportunity to continue to grow. Let me say it that way. You are going to have to have some determination in yourself if you're going to grow. And it comes to your heart condition. When we see all these different things, like even that with the church offers, with our giveaways and the chapter a day and um, special services and speakers and Holy Spirit and fire night, well, either those can become a check mark for you. Okay, I got to read my chapter a day. Check. Okay, I, I, pastor said I need to read a proverb a day. Okay, check. Okay, I need to also pray in the spirit. Okay, check. Okay, and I, I, they gave this giveaway, so I better read it. Da, 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 check. Okay, and it can become this continuation of check marks, or you can go before God and say, God, our pastor has declared that this is a year of growth, and I'm going to choose to grow this year. And one of the strategies that God gave, that you gave him, was this chapter a day. So, Lord, right now, as I read my chapter a day, I choose to grow. Show me what I can use this in my life to grow and to continue to move forward. Show me what I need to see in this chapter. That's growth. That's moving forward. All right, you get a, a, one of the giveaways. Lord, show me. Obviously, this is something on our pastor's heart, and we need to get through this to continue to grow this season, to be the church that we're called to be. For me to be the individual I'm called to be, you have to have faith that your pastors hear God. They hear God about you. They pray about you each and every day. They know, they hear from God what we need. But if you take it as just a check mark so that you can come in and say, yes, I read my chapter a day. How about you? But you're not growing from it. You miss the point. You miss the purpose of it. And we'll then have to make 2020 growth part two. You know, it's just we have to learn how to see these things as opportunities and keep our heart right to grow as these opportunities come. One of the other ones that brought forward to me was memorizing scripture. That, you know, I'm kind of a person that knows the scripture, but if you ask me where it is, I'll say, hold on, let me ask Siri. You know, so... I, one of the, that's kind of where I just have been with it. So I said, oh, I'm going to memorize scripture, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to memorize one a week. Here we go. 2019, I'm going to memorize one scripture a week. And then maybe by the end of the year, I can memorize one a day. So I get my note cards out and I'm going to start it out and I start writing them out and I've got 30 of them ready to go. And I'm like, all right, day one. So I start doing it and I'm like, oh, by day two, I haven't memorized. Okay. Put that one away. Move on to the next one. Well, the funny thing is, is because I didn't grow in the process of it, I can't even tell you what the first verse was that I memorized <laughs> because it was a check mark. Okay, I memorized that verse. Did you memorize it or do you know that verse where it's now piece of weaponry that you can use against the enemy? That is growth. That is the level that you need to be at. Um. If we can put up James 1, 2 through 4 real quick for me. All right, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the test, oops, sorry, I'm very sick, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, 
but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfected and complete, lacking nothing. So this is a common text again, but it just holds so true to what we're talking about, having that determination in your life. This is James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. I don't even want to know what some of the discussions in that household could have been. Now, don't do that, James. This is the son of God you're talking to. Okay, like, I don't know. So I can guarantee you he's talking out of some, hey, just so you know, there's going to be trials in your life and things you're going to come up against. And if you keep pressing through, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And we have to have that perspective when we're talking about growth. The enemy doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to get victory over it. He doesn't want you to become victorious. He doesn't want you to live the life Jesus lived. So, of course, there's going to be things that come up against you, things that fight you tooth and nail, and he's going to have that person say just the right thing to you on the wrong day when you didn't wake up right, and boom, you are now like World War III has broken out. We have to have that determination where we start seeing Nope, this is a good opportunity for me to keep my mouth quiet and to grow. No, this is a good opportunity for me to see exactly what the enemy's trying to do in my life. And Satan, you're not today. Not today, motor scooter. Not today. <laughs> but you let patience continue to grow, continue to grow in you until it has its perfect work. Can you imagine if patience had its perfect work in you? It's complete and perfect work in you to where nothing gets you. <laughs> or can you imagine if this church had patience perfectly working in it where nothing got this or that and you be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, lacking nothing. We're talking about living the life that Jesus lived, lacking nothing. But first it comes through the patience, the growing the continuation, the pressing forward, the pushing forward you have. Growth looks at situations like this. It says, I'm just planted, but I'm not buried. Goals and situations say, I'm buried right now under all of this. But growth says, no, nah, I'm planted, and something good's about to come out of this. You can focus on the price you're about to give for growth, or you can look forward and press forward and see all the opportunities you have in front of you. It all starts with making that decision. Growth views circumstances differently. Problems turn into opportunities. Struggles turn into strategies. And those moments that were meant to knock you down and take you out of the race for good have now just become notches on the belt that you can remind the enemy exactly who you are. That is the difference between growth and your goals, having that determination. When things don't go like, you're pl like you planned, see, that's the thing about goals. Sometimes we have a plan of how it's going to happen. We have this perfect strategy. No, it's going to go like this, and by June, this is what's going to be like, and by August, this is what it's going to be like, and oh, by December, man, I'm not even going to be the same person anymore. It's going to be so amazing. But when things don't go as planned, that's when you have to lean back on, no, nah, I'm just growing. I'm just a work in progress. We're all just works in progress, pushing forward together. And that is the difference. When you start seeing yourself as that, or here's a better one, when you start seeing others that way, 
you'll start getting some victories in your life. When you start seeing, okay, I know they didn't really mean what they said there. They're just growing. <laughs> They're just a work in progress. It's all good. <laughs> you know, maybe look at your spouse every night. It's all good. You're just a work in progress. I don't know what to tell you. You know, just keep pushing forward, I guess. When you start seeing things like that, you'll see victories in your life. All of a sudden, things don't get you. Things don't stop you. And you don't have those moments anymore where you're now soaring above it like it's nothing, like water off the duck's back. It's a continuous and necessary thing. That's the third key I have for you today. It's a continuous and necessary thing, growth is. Now, I do believe right now that we are in a time, and not only in this church, but in the body of Christ in general, where if you don't choose to grow, you're going to be left behind. And I don't mean left behind, you're not going to heaven. I mean, no longer can you just play catch up really quick. We're at a time now where you have to decide, no, I'm going to grow no matter what, because I refuse to miss out. I refuse to miss out on what God's got planned for me. I refuse to miss out on the goodness of God. I refuse to miss out on his plan for my life. So I'm going to push forward, no matter how hard it is right now, no matter what people are telling me, I'm going to push forward, push forward, because it's time is too short for me to miss out now. There is no more, I'll take a couple years off. I'll come back around. It's all good. Don't push me now. It's all good. No, there's pushing coming now, all right? Time is running out, and we have to decide that whether we want to be a part or we don't. Whether we want to see miracles happen, not only in this church, in our lives, but in this city, in this nation, in this state, you have to decide right now, are you going to jump on board and push through, or are you going to just be left behind? You'll still make heaven, but you might be a little bruised by the time you get there. <laughs> you know, you can still make it, but the whole time, every day, waking up, oh, Lord, please come. Oh, Jesus, please come. Oh, please come. When the rest of the church, and then you get to Sunday church, and everybody else is celebrating, dancing, thinking life's great, and you're like, are you kidding me? This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to say right now. Choose to grow. Push forward. Choose to be a part. Now is the perfect time because we're all there. We're all at a level of time to grow. It's the perfect time to jump on board and decide, I'm going to grow. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a change in my life to where my heart is now after growth. My heart is not just after getting a goal or a check mark. My heart is to go after the heart of the Father and do whatever he's called me to do. That is the new level of growth that we are at. Key number three, like I said, continuous and necessary in every way. Now, this one um, I kind of had some fun with, but... Um, when I was talking to God about this, I said, yeah, I know, it's necessary. He goes, no, it's necessary. I said, yes, I got that, necessary. So then I started, I'm like, well, God, I need an example of this. Like, t show me an example of, you know, how important it is to continuing growth and how important and necessary it is. And I'm going through, I'm like, oh, well, we can do Joseph. How many know Joseph faced a lot of things in his life and continued on, pushed forward? I said, we can do Job. I mean, he had... The year from hell and the year from heller and worse and the worse, you know. And then, you know, I said, we can do all that. And God's like, how about my son? 
Jesus? How about Jesus? And I said, well, yes, <laughs> ultimate example, I got it. He said, no, look back at my stuff. Look back at what the word says about him. So the first place I want to go to is Luke 2. Right off the bat, here we go. And we're learning about, like I said, remember the very first verse we did in John, and he was talking about these works you'll do and greater works? Well, that's Jesus. So let's find out how he got the works working for him, you know? And this is happening right now where Jesus has just been in the temple. Remember that story? He's a young boy. He's in the temple. He's asking questions. He's finding out who he is. He's discovering who he is. And it says this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. It says, um, can you put the Passion Translation up there for me, Shane? You don't have that one? I can. Um, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But in the Passion Translation, it says, as Jesus grew, so as he's growing, so did his wisdom and maturity. The favor of men increased upon his life, and he was loved greatly by God. What is it saying? Jesus had to grow. Jesus had to develop this in himself. It is not, I was talking to my dad, I said, no wonder it took him 30 years before he started his ministry. <laughs> you know, he was growing in all these things. If he would have come and everything was established, yes, I'm the son of God, here we go, he could have started his ministry at 12 years old. Let's be honest. But he was growing. He came just like we came. Because he wanted to show us what was necessary. You got to grow. You got to grow. You got to take those years and you got to grow. You got to figure out who you are in God. You got to increase in everything I've taught you. You got to get that word alive in you. You got to figure out your identity and who you are and who I've called you to be. You got to figure and discover this. And while he's doing that, what's happening? Increase is of coming upon his life. Favor. And because of all this, it says he was loved greatly by God. Growth brings joy to our Father's heart. When we're choosing to grow, when we're choosing to go deeper in the things of him, when we're saying, God, I just want to be what you've called me to be, and you have that sincerity of heart, it brings joy to our Father. It says he loved, was loved greatly by God. I want that said about me. I want that said about you where he says, you are greatly loved by me because you've chosen to grow you've chosen to continue in this you've chosen to see opposition as opportunity you've chosen to become who i've called you to be growth is what brings pleasure to our father growth is what brings the goodness of god upon your life when we go back, can you put our first verse up, John 14, back up there real quick? Um, when you're looking at this, it takes us all the way back to what we started with about becoming, you know, who God has called us to be. And if Jesus had to grow, what makes you think you don't need to? What makes you think you can take this verse right here and we can sing and shout about it. We can say amen all we want about it. But the truth is, the works that he's doing 
aren't working everywhere right now, let alone greater works than these. So there's a process we've missed. There's a step we've missed, and that step is the growing step we even see Jesus take. How many times do we read that he went off by himself? You know, and he's praying by himself. What is he doing? Growing. He sees the necessity. He sees the requirement. He says, I can't even do this. What did he say? I can't do this without my father. I don't say anything unless I hear the father say it. I don't do anything unless I see the father do it. Well, we got to get to that point where we're seeing and doing what the father says and does. we got to get to the point where we can even see what he'll do it. And we're not so bombarded by everything that's occurring around us that it's, Ten minutes later, after we've already spewed stuff out our mouths, that we go, oh, the Father would have said this. Well, now <laughs> we've got a little issue. But we got to get to that point, and we do it the same way Jesus did it. We do it the exact same way he did it, the same way he saw this necessity to do it. Go and grow. Go find out who you are. Go ask questions. Go to the Father. Why did Jesus come? So that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. He's not expecting us to do it all perfectly, but he is expecting us to be his children and to come. He is expecting that. To come boldly. Ask the questions. Find out who he's called you to be. Become that beloved one that he's talking about here so that you can see the works of God working through you. I truly believe that in this end times, what's going to turn people to Jesus is the dark is going to get darker and the light is going to get lighter. They're going to hear stuff. Did you know that at that church, that person's arm grew back? Did you know that that person started in a wheelchair and then they jumped up and they were dancing? Did you know that this person's been legally blind their entire life and now they're seeing? Did you know that that person who started at the very bottom now owns that company? Did you know? Did you know? That's what's going to turn a world. That is what's going to shake them up. That is going to make them wonder, huh, how do I get that? Because right now the world's got stuff like that. So what's going to shake and change them is when the church now has it. When the church has something they've never heard about before. When the church is doing things they may have heard about, but they've never seen actually happen. That is what's going to change this world around. When we grow, when we take time to grow to a place where we are now working one in one with our Father to get things done on this earth, that is what's going to change the world. That is what's going to make the difference in your life where you're not putting the same goals you've been putting on this list since 2002. When you've now moved to a new place where you are seeing and shaking and going, God, I'm just going to grow to you. Lord, I'm just going to focus on you. I'm just going to grow with you. I just want you. Okay, we'll read this scripture today. Okay, I'm going to read these scriptures today. Okay, read that today. Okay, I'm going to do that today. Okay, I'm going to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray today about this. And you just keep growing. And pretty soon, you can pull that list back out and notice, oh, check. Oh, wow, I did that too. Oh, wow, I got that working. Oh, wow. I haven't even thought about that addiction in months. What? Uh, okay, that used to bog me down completely. Why is that not? Wow, that person hasn't even bothered me in three weeks. You know, growth, growth, it changes things. It shapes things. And God will talk to you about everything. He'll talk to you about your health. He'll talk to you about your attitude. He'll talk to you about all this stuff as you continually grow. He'll say, okay, now we've got to work on this. Okay, if you want to be my follower for 120 years or until I come back, 
then we're going to have to talk to you about your eating habits, you know, or we're going to have to start talking to you about exercising, okay? Okay, if you want this marriage to work, then let me help you here. You got to watch your attitude here. Grow. And there's no more of, okay, I will not say that to him. I will not say that to him. I will not say that. Oh, I will not say that to him. I will not do that again. I will not do that again. There won't be that continuous circle anymore because now you're just, okay, Father, I won't do that, but you're going to have to help me. Weeks go by. Wow, that hasn't, that hasn't bothered me yet lately. Growth, growth, growth. Until we are seeing and moving one-on-one with the Father, where we're seeing the works that he's done and greater works than these. No longer will we have to, oh, I sure hope someone's going to come out to church tonight. No. Doors flooded with people because they want to just see the goodness of God. Things change. They know one thing. The world says they've got answers, but I know the church and that Christian over there and that Christian over there does have the answer because it's working in their life. That's the difference right there. That is what Jesus is coming back for. A church that has grown to the place where when you go to heaven, it's not much different. It's just like a Oh, yeah, we did that there, too. We did that. Oh, we've seen that. It's all good. That is what he's coming back for. That, not where you have to stand there for three years with your mouth open. Why? Because you didn't even know any of this existed or was available to you. No, he wants it working for you now. He wants you victorious in every area. He wants you to have the victory in 2019 where it's not a mistake that your pastor has called it the year of growth. Take hold of it. It is a year of growth for you. It is a time where you choose to take forward, to take a step forward and get the heart that you need to have and be determined and decide right now that it's it's a necessity for me to grow. It is time for me to grow. Grow up. Grow up. So I don't, not because we all need you to, but because if you do, those things won't bother you anymore. You'll have victory in your life. You won't have those addictions anymore. You won't have those issues anymore. You'll, it'll just be a breeze. It'll be fun. I heard Kenneth Copeland say the other day that he feels like he's just on a one giant vacation. I want to get to that level. <laughs> one giant vacation. But your life can be like that. Think about it, walking with Jesus, those disciples, and all they thought was, I wonder what he's going to do next. I wonder what's going to happen now. Who's he going to heal? What's he going to do? Well, that's how people should be around you. I wonder what's going to happen for that person next. I wonder what's going to go on in their life next. That is what we're supposed to grow to, to make an, influ- an impact on the world around us, to be an influence in everything we're doing. So that is our goal for this year, to grow, to grow, to grow, to grow, and become those people that we've been called to be, and we can see those things that Jesus did working in our lives and greater works that he's called us to. So, Dad, do you want to? Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.